Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the VVK Podcast. I am your host, Craig Foley. Very glad to have you with me today. As always, hope you're enjoying things so far. Well, the goal of this program is always to have interesting conversations, and I think today's fits that bill quite nicely. My guests today are Mike Rafferty and Rebecca Irby of the organization New Detroit. Now, you may recall, New Detroit was formed in the immediate wake of the 1967 rebellion that turned this city on its ear. They still, 50 years on, are doing a ton of work in the community. And, of course, their mission is ever-evolving as there are new challenges to face, things like Black Lives Matter and so many other issues uh, that are out there right now. We caught up with them on Mackinac Island at the Detroit Regional Policy Conference to talk a little bit about their mission, how it's evolving, how they can address systemic racism that exists still in our world, and also to talk a little bit about their upcoming conference on this that's going to be taking place in a couple of months. It's a big deal. Should be a great conversation. I hope you can stick around as we talk to Mike Rafferty and Rebecca Irby of New Detroit here on the VVK Podcast. New Detroit, a reinvigorated organization with a proud history in the city. They're doing good work, doing good work again. We're going to talk a little bit about that with a couple of people from New Detroit. We have, of course, Michael Rafferty, who's the CEO at New Detroit, and Rebecca Irby, who's the Director of Programs and Services. Welcome to both of you. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Craig, it's great to see you as always. Thanks so much for having us. You know, and and I mentioned the history of this organization. Uh, New Detroit was born after the unrest in 1967 in the city of Detroit, really rose to prominence as an organization that was working on racial justice uh, and and really trying to correct some of the sins and faults that we have in this community that every community in America has. Michael, I don't want to say that that it faltered a little bit, but when you took this organization over three years ago, you had a lot of work to do. And and I do want to acknowledge the fact that there was some rebuilding to be done here uh, to get New Detroit where it needs to be at the center of these conversations. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's an understatement, and uh, for and uh, for a few reasons. One, um, the world was beginning to change. Um, you know, back uh, in the 1980s, 90s, uh, early 2000s, uh, you know, we, we, we were we were still sort of on the heels of, uh, of civil rights, um, and I think uh, a lot of us were sort of looking at uh, at the world as post-racial, in part because uh, people could vote equally and go into you know places. Uh, seemingly the same, uh, but uh, uh, you know, a lot of things were changing. We saw the Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, build. We, we saw the emergence of uh, chief diversity officers in, in, in organizations. Um, you know, and, and we start, and we continue to see the same disparities that we had seen in the 1960s and 70s, and, and, and even before that, uh, show up in healthcare and education and, and, and income. Um, so, you know, I, I think like a lot of war organizations, a lot of communities, uh, when you don't transform yourself and adapt to what's happening in the, in, you know, in, in the world around you, uh, the world kind of passes you by. Um, now, you know, New Detroit has remained, a, a, you know, I would say a strong coalition of leaders, uh, uh, people who've been very committed to the mission uh, as board members. Um, I'm very, you know, proud of, of all the folks who've carried uh, New Detroit's mission uh, for the last 55 years. Um, but I'd say, you know, like, like anything, when you've got, you know, George Floyd died, when you've mm-hmm. got, you know, Trevon Martin died, when you've got Black Lives Matter as a movement building, um, and you think about the prowess that Detroit had back in the 1990s where we had a $15 million budget, uh, you know, and dozens of, uh, of, of, of skilled executives working uh, toward the mission of, of, uh, of dismantling racism, and you, you look now, and uh, when I took it over three years ago, we had five people, and, you know, uh, uh, a million-dollar budget. Um, we had to do a lot, 
with a little. And uh, what I'm trying to do is bring the organization to a point where we can uh, begin to do uh, a lot with a lot. Well, Rebecca, you know, again, Director of Programs and Services there, uh, you guys are having an opportunity to completely redefine the scope of your mission, the types of things that you want to do. Uh, you came here from New York, correct? Correct. Talk a little bit about your decision to come to this organization and, and the opportunities you sort of see here, because you do get to create things that, you, that you've probably been thinking about for a long time. A very long time, and thank you so much for, uh, for bringing that in and asking there is research that I've been working on for over 20 years that we're bringing into the organization. Um, and specifically to answer your question about why New Detroit, why Detroit, and why now. Um, my background is actually in education. I fell into foreign policy and work at the United Nations. Um, I was working on a really big campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. We actually won the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize. So Wow. Uh, very exciting. We've divested $30 trillion from the nuclear industry. Um, many very, very big successes over the last 10 years. And I'm looking to bring that learning, that knowledge of how to create a global campaign of abolition and what that looks like on a global level and bringing that, those ideas and that fight to racism. And in my estimation, Detroit, being the blackest city in our country, um, also the resiliency and the hope that is alive and well and that you can see in the city. Um, for me, it, it was a place that I feel like the fight for racism can be won, and it can be used as a model for the rest of the country, the rest of the world. Um, the campaign that I started with nuclear weapons, we started in Japan. It wasn't something that we could have started in the United States. So I think it's really important to understand the fights that you're in and where you can win them, and that's where you start. You know, it's such a, an interesting uh, parallel here because many people would consider something like, you know, uh, nuclear weapons uh, and, and nuclear proliferation to be a problem that we can't necessarily solve. Um, taking victories where you can is something that you mentioned. What are what do those victories look like in, in the fight against racism? I mean, because you know, you get George Floyd, you get Buffalo incidents like this. You know, smack us back to reality and let us realize that there's still a lot of work to be done. So, so what does a small victory look like in this situation? You, you feel free yeah. either of you to answer that one. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I think taking it taking it up a notch, you know, and, and looking at it like uh, like like we were a second ago with uh, Rebecca's point about uh, nuclear weapons. One thing is just acknowledging the problem, right? Just start there. Yeah. Um, well, we struggle with that. We though. do, we do, and you know, I think 2020 was a moment when we said, okay, hold on, we've got 40 percent of the deaths from COVID in the state of Michigan uh, being people of color, black and brown. We count 14 percent of the population. All right, that's a disparity, right? Um, you know, we're looking at now uh, uh, across the country, a million people have died from COVID. Quarter uh, uh, of those people were caregivers, and a majority, you know, uh, overwhelming you know, majority of, of the people who died who were caregivers were people who were black and brown. Okay, so that means that there are a bunch of kids who are now left without their caregivers who are disproportionately people of color. Uh, we looked at the economy and said, okay, so for every dollar that a white family has, a, a black family has seven cents of wealth. It's, you know, so you start seeing all these things. It's not just health. It's not just education. It's not just, you know, th those are symptoms of a systemic problem. And so I, I'm hearing a lot of people who have power. I'm hearing a lot of people who are policymakers and who are business leaders and who are in media acknowledging all of a sudden, finally, 
that we can't just play games of whack-a-mole when we're talking about human lives, right? And so that, that, that acknowledgement point is actually a bit of a win. Um, now, I think you start to lose some momentum in that win as people start to get, you know, uh, um, you know distracted by things like uh, white replacement theory and getting upset about the, you CRT know, and yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. yeah, let's, let's educate people on what actually happened in this country. No, let's not, you know, with, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the, the, the possibility of there being two steps up and a step back exists when we're talking about things like this, but we have to acknowledge those steps forward. You know, Rebecca, you sort of nodded when I said we struggle with dealing with that, with admitting we have a problem in this country. I mean, but, you know, I'm at this conference, and one of the things that I'm hearing, even from groups like Business Leaders for Michigan, is the need for equitable funding. The word equity is creeping into the conversation in a way that it hasn't in a long time. It's not just about equal, it's about equitable. Correct. How big a difference is that in terms of mindset and what that can lead to? Well, I... I love, there's an image uh, that explains equity and equality that I really love, and it's uh, children looking over a fence for a ball field, and it's like, equality means everybody gets the same thing. There's still a child who's in a wheelchair who can't, they have a box, they can't see over the fence. So this idea of equal, everyone getting the same thing, moving towards equality and people getting what they actually need. So in order for us to move to equity, though, we have to, as Michael was saying, we have to first admit that there's an issue and then uncover what that true issue is, where the root of that issue is. And when I look at and we talk about these small wins, like, yes, it's incredible, but I think it really needs a three-pronged approach. So when I think about the strategies, I look at policy, I look at education, this awareness building, and that actually is two parts. So the trainings, the consulting, the helping of organizations, but then also I, I truly believe there needs to be really large public outreach campaigns. So things like this, where we have a podcast and we're getting bigger platforms to be able to talk about this and help people understand these conversations, yes, they're difficult, but we don't die at the end of them. People act like it's you know, it's such a, a pervasive and difficult thing. Yes, it's a difficult conversation, but once we're done with it, it's a few moments of discomfort, well, and then we can move. <laughs> but that discomfort can be quite profound. I mean, yes. if there's one thing that people are afraid of, it's being labeled a racist in some capacity, because everybody's like, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't see color. You hear these things all the time. Um, how do you get people to actually acknowledge that, you know, everybody's got some sorts of thoughts around this. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. And it's not, nobody's trying to make you feel guilty about these things, but they're, they're worried that they're going to be shamed in some capacity. I've got one for you. I'd love to hear it. So, when we think about racism, so I like to really distinguish racism and bigotry. And I think that is critically important to this conversation, especially for our nation. When I think of racism, I think of structures, and I think of spaces that have these policies built into them. So it is impossible for us to say that we don't have a racist bone in our body. We live and breathe racism. It is all around us. Look at the building that we are sitting in, how it was created, how our institutions, so our higher education institutions were created to justify race-based science, our medical institutions, all of them. So when we go back and we look at where our institutions were created, how they were created, they have racism baked in. So we swim in it every day. 
we've got it on our cheek. Bigotry, radically different. So what I say to people, I'm like, I want to get to a point where, yes, it's uncomfortable to tell someone they have lettuce in their teeth, right? <laughs> it is. It's uncomfortable for them. It's uncomfortable for you. But like, hey, you've got, you've got a little racism on your cheek. Let me help you with that. And when we can get to a point where it's like, oh, thank you so much for telling me that blind spot. I didn't see it. Now I, can, I know I can work on it. That is radically different than me saying you're a bigot, than me saying you have hatred in your heart. And I think when we can get to that distinction and we can start to have those types of conversations, we'll be moving in a really positive direction. It, it seems as if you're fighting against fear, though, in many yeah. instances, uh, because Absolutely. people are afraid to confront their own, uh, you know, their own biases. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it seems to me that that's been a real problem in advancing this conversation for a long time, because people don't even want to come to the table because they're worried or afraid uh, that they're going to do something wrong or that they they're going to have to come to, to, to grips with the fact that they've got some demons. Um, how do we get people to just, I don't want to say not feel bad about things, um, but, you know, to realize that coming to grips with this isn't something that is going to define you as a human being and, and your worth as a human being by addressing this. Because I think people are afraid to have the conversation because they're afraid what they're going to see in the mirror. Exactly. I, I like to talk to allies and people who consider themselves allies. So I think that when you have that conversation between, let's say, two white people, as opposed to a white person and a black person, there is a huge difference in the comfortability of those people that look the same in order to start that conversation. It shouldn't stay there. It can't stay there. But I I really look to and champion and encourage those who are in this fight that maybe look like you that you're able to do so much more than I am. You're able to open that door to help pave the way and help people understand we're not here to attack you. We're here to help you understand and grow. But that's a very different conversation when I started versus when you started versus someone like Jamie, someone who looks like Jamie, if she started it. It's radically different. And we have to understand what we're doing. You said we're confronting fear. And... You know, normally people react to and are comfortable in places that are familiar and that are similar. Well, well, let's talk about a, a place that people might be comfortable and familiar, and that is like a conference like this one. You guys just announced uh, up here, while we were up here, uh, that you're going to have this conference called Just Lead, a new conference to advance racial equity. It's going to be taking place at the Detroit Marriott this fall, October 13th and 14th, I believe. Uh, Mike, talk a little bit about the need for this. Um, I love it. You're going to be talking about the intersection of race with economics, health, education, all the things we talked about, the systemic problems that we have in, in the United States. Um, talk a bit about the conference. Who needs to be there? I would say anybody. Um, you know, racism, uh, as we've been saying, it, it, it exists in the systems. It's in the air we breathe. It's in us individually. Um, and we all have a responsibility to, uh, to dismantle it. Um, if you're curious about it. If you're curious about what racism is, if you're curious about how it fits within your systems and how it fits within you, if you uh, are already aware and awake uh, and you want to uh, learn more and do more, um, this is a place to go. Um, you know, having come to uh, Mackinac now for more times than I can count, um, you know, I, I see the benefit of uh, a cross-section 
uh, of our community coming together, and not just our community, but people from across the country. Dan Jones was just here yesterday, and you know, and we all got something out of that. Um, I would, what, what we're hoping to build this conference to be this uh, this, uh, this this summit, the Just Lead Summit, to be is an annual event that does the same sort of thing. Um, you know, we all look at. Uh, Michigan and Detroit as being one of the most innovative places in the world. Put out more patents per capita. Uh, we are the center of the automotive universe, um, and we have the you know auto show and, and, and things like that. There's no reason why one of the biggest problems we've got in this country that we see in our community uh, can't be solved here. And I think uh, what I'm what I'm aiming to do with this. Uh, this event annually is bring people uh, from all over the place. The same way, we, same way we bring people here who are curious about cars uh, in policy at the conference. Um, we want to bring people who uh, really want to make uh, the world a better place to Detroit and uh, and see some movement from there. All right. Well, I, I, I love the title of it. Just lead. Is this uh, an indictment of, of current leadership and the fact that they are not leading on these issues? Are you making a statement here? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, okay, <laughs> Rebecca started staying away from that one. That's okay. You know, I, I, I was at House of Cards. I can't remember the, uh, the show, but I, I quote, the fish rots from the head. <laughs> right? I mean, it's... it's we, we all, and, and leadership isn't literally... It's, it's not just the, the top, right? Yeah. We, we can lead from the middle. We can lead from the, from, from the back. Um, you know, and, and I think to change something, whether it's a moral case or a business case, uh, it requires someone to say something. Um, and... Uh, you know, I mean, teachers lead all the time, um, and they can change education systems from within. We've seen that happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you consider yourself a leader, no matter where you are in line, you should be here. Well, I, I, we got to wrap this up. We've been going for a little while, but I do want to ask this question. I mean, uh, as far as the voice of the organization is concerned and, and the positions you're going to be taking, uh, as I mentioned, you are a client. You know, we've, we've you know, helped you guys craft some statements on certain things, especially Buffalo shooting recently. Mm-hmm. How important is it that you are as forceful as you need to be and, and, and as possible uh, around these issues? Because I'm not sure that there's always, I mean, there are a few organizations out there that are always willing to say what needs to be said. Uh, talk about the decision-making around that and how forceful you're going to be with your public statements on issues. You know, uh, right after George Floyd died, we um, a lot of people were putting out statements, and we, uh, we ended up you know, saying, well, what, what, what statement makes sense right now? Um, and, you know, if you look at any community, if your people are dying, if your people are uh, losing their homes, you know, and if your community is being pillaged, essentially, um, that's cause to declare and say, you know, d- declare war. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was important for us to, it, you know, to, to, to say that, even though it sounds and seems hyperbolic when you've got a small organization, you've got, you know, pervasive systemic issue like racism. Um, but nonetheless, it was important to say uh, you know, there, there needs to be a declaration of war. We have to you know, fight with the same sort of heart and intention that we would if, if, if our lives are at risk, because they are, right? Our lives, you know, the, 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 the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, life, liberty. Like, if, if we believe in the Constitution, we believe in the, you know, in, in, in American values and ideals and that sort of thing, we have to consider racism, you know, something that fights against that, that, that ideal. Um, with that, you know, you, you move forward. We, we've seen so much happening over just, just the last couple of years. Like you said, the Buffalo shooting. We've seen uh, Patrick Leoya die just uh, you know, uh, you know, over in Grand Rapids. And we realized that this, this drumbeat is just getting faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And i, and I, and I got to say, we, we, we're, we're willing and committed to changing as many hearts and minds as we can because that's where it starts and using statements to do that. Um, 
uh, using education to do that, uh, showing research and putting mirrors in people's faces and in the faces of policy and faces of institutions, you know. Um, but, you know, at some point, your mouth gets dry from talking, right? <laughs> at some point, you get tired of, you know, uh, screaming. Um, and I'd say that, you know, the only uh, thing that holds us back from saying something about everything is uh, we're human too. <laughs> yeah, I, to add to that, and I think it's incredible sentiment. And unfortunately, things happen every single day that aren't brought in. So one of the things I look at and I would love to see, and Jamie and I actually have been speaking about, is bringing on someone who can specifically work on statements, who can work on and we can start to build um a real cachet of content around this because I think um, making those statements, yes, critically important, yes, forceful, we have to be, we have to stand on and talk our walk and walk our talk. Um, and I think that also speaks to capacity on our team. We're a very, very small team. So um, that's actually something that we're looking to bring someone in when we get funding. Uh, <laughs> For, for just that specifically, to make even bolder and even more statements. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm excited about the direction uh, you guys are going in. This is an organization that is very much needed in this time, and, and uh, I applaud you both. Uh, the conference is going to be fantastic. We'll, of course, be there to check things out. And I do believe the Declaration of War on Racism is still on your website, correct? It certainly People is. People can sign it. They can sign I've it. I've signed it. Everybody else should as well. It's newdetroit.org is the website. I encourage you to go check it out. And if you feel the same way we do, and we know you do, sign that thing. Because there is power in numbers, everybody, and it's really, really important. Rebecca Irby, Mike Rafferty, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate the work you're doing in New Detroit. Craig, it's always so a pleasure. Much. Thank you. All right, this is the VVK Podcast. Hey, Craig here. While we take a short break from the program today, I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor agency and, of course, the company that I'm working for these days. That's VVK PR Plus Creative. Now, VVK is a Detroit-based public relations and creative agency that operates on three core principles strategy, creativity, and diversity. It is the lens through which we approach growing our clients' brands and our agency. Now, we understand the leap of faith that clients make by placing their business goals and vision in the hands of a communications and strategic partner. In our minds, every client is a partnership, and the key to any successful partnership is a relationship built on both trust and collaboration. And understanding your goals and what it takes to accomplish them is critical to your long-term success Every organization has a story to tell, and we are here to help you tell yours. And how do we do that? Well, we have a number of different services that we offer, including public relations, media relations, digital media, video production, public affairs, issues and crisis management, stakeholder and community relations, organizational and executive positioning, and of course, event production. You have a story. Again, we are here to help you tell it. That's VVK PR Plus Creative. Find more at vvkagency.com. A special thanks to my guests, Mike Rafferty and Rebecca Irby of New Detroit. Really good conversation, and we will have them back again pretty soon, uh, especially as we get closer to the conference that we were discussing within the podcast today. There's going to be a lot to talk about there, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think uh, a lot of us could learn a whole bunch from it, and that's who they want to show up for this thing, anybody that wants to learn. So looking forward to that, and we'll have them back on the program. 
In the meantime, I want to thank all of you for checking out the show today. A reminder, you can now find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. We are now on every uh, every conceivable conceivable podcast hosting site that there is, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever, all the way down to some of the little ones that people like to use. So we are available. You can find us. You can also find us on social media. Look for VVK's posts about this on our VVK uh, agency page on LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. We'll post about all of that. But in the meantime, like, subscribe, rate it, tell your friends. It all helps. And don't forget to send me feedback. There are lots of ways to do it. You all know where I am on social media. So feel free to leave me messages, guest suggestions, etc. Have a great day.